This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host, joined tonight by TV personality and philanthropist, Joan Kelly Walker, and one of her amazing friends, Sarah Jamison, is joining us tonight. Sarah Jamison, she's a married woman. She's a mother of two. Her magnetic personality and kind heart make her a sounding board for relationship advice for many of her friends. She also enjoys supporting women and building a mentorship program within her professional life in the environmental industry. Sarah also can add a thing or two to those who are considering proposing to their man. We're going to be talking about that later on. And Sarah also has a 14-year-old child who is gender neutral that would like to be referred to as they, them. This is something that I'm not too familiar with and would love to learn more about it. So, hi, guys. How are you? (laughs) How are you, ladies? Hey, Laura. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, Laura. Great to you. Yeah, happy to be here. So I think tonight we're going to be having a a little chit chat amongst girls discussing life, uh, maybe some debatable and perhaps controversial topics. Um, So I'm so excited for today's conversation. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. So I want to start this off by um, talking about money, money and relationships. Money problems are a huge source of stress for so many people. And stress causes all sorts of physical and mental health issues, and money is known to be one of the leading causes of breakups. So nowadays, a lot of people expect a relationship, ladies, to be 50-50 when it comes to finances. I want to hear your perspective. Do you think relationships should be 50-50? I mean, what if one person makes more than the other, for example? Let's talk about it. So who would like to start us off? Joan, do you want to start us off? Okay, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Okay, so we're supposed to be having a girls chat and we jump right into probably one of the most challenging subjects for a lot of people. Yeah. I happen to be in a situation where, I mean, let's be frank, my husband makes a lot more money than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm okay with that. I came into this relationship, though, with a really great career. I worked my butt off. I was sought after, I was, you know, very proud of myself. And I, you know, I had my own house, I had my own car, like I I had a little tiny cottage. I was doing it completely on my own. Um, But then he and I figured out the dynamic of what would work best for us and our family. And so I had to make a lot of adjustments and a lot of changes. And, you know, I still work. I still do things that fulfill me, but it's on a a different level. a perspective now. So I personally, I think it really comes down to the situation. If the guy or one of the partners is better to stay home and look after kids or do the domestic stuff, then, then figure it out that way. Don't look at it purely from dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think Joan's absolutely right. And, and, and bang on. I think everyone's uh, situation is, is different, as you said. Um, in my own, I would say that it's more 50, 50, um, I've worked really hard my career and, you know, have a very competitive edge to myself and, um, want to continue to strive to do better and make more and, you know, continue to grow and thrive. Um, would I wish to have everything paid for and not have to worry about that? Yeah, sure. But I also don't know what that would be like, you know, <laughs> so I'm not sure that would be the right thing for me. I, I think, um, 
you know, still this 50, 50 thing is, is, is good for me because it keeps me going. Yeah. yeah. And if someone is going to be the one that, that is bringing in the income and providing that they can't hold that over your head and say, yes. well, you're not contributing. Like, you know, it is yeah. very delicate and you have to be very gentle and responsible with your partner when you're making those decisions. Yeah, I totally agree. And Absolutely. I think as well, like if we, if we look at it uh, from a perspective of before getting married, so let's just say you guys are, are moving in together, right? Splitting 50-50 as roommates, you know, would probably make sense, especially if you guys don't have joint bank accounts and credit cards and so forth. But I mean, if you're moving into somebody's place and you're doing a lot of like, let's say the domestic chores and doing a lot of things for them, and maybe they live with children. So maybe they have like two children living there and themselves, and then that you're moving in. I don't think it should be 50, 50. Okay. But of course that's something that can be, uh, that you guys can have a conversation around. But when you're married, however, finances, I think, should be pulled together, you know, regardless of income. Um, so the income, the debts are, are shared at that point. Um, but, you know, some people choose to keep their accounts separate when they're married. But I also think, Joan, and I agree with you, because your husband, for example, is in a better position to, you know, to take on most of the expenses, then I think, yeah, like it should lie on the person who, who makes more money, especially if you are in a, a partnership like a marriage. Mm -hmm. And what about uh, like marriage contracts? How do you guys feel about that? I, I think they're good like to protect yourself. You mean like to protect yourself and to just like force that conversation before you get married? I think that's very important. It's such an important piece of a relationship that, you know, finances and trust and honesty, all those things kind of, they're, they're really important topics when it comes to, uh, to living your lives together. I'm all about um, protecting your assets. <laughs> because now, if you, if, well, if you look at it, how many marriages make it, you know, what, 50%? Um, and nowadays that number could have may have declined like so I would you know if, if I'm going into a partnership with more money I I would have somebody sign something and I have no problem signing something if somebody made a lot more money than me yeah um, but you know the one thing I have to recognize here is that a lot of times situations change during the course of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people think, okay, this is ironclad. I'm signing this thing. It can never change, but you can revisit it and you can update it and you can reflect whatever your current situation is. So I think, you know, I think that's very comforting for a lot of people if they're absolutely terrified of a contract like that and having people, you know, tell them you have to do this, you have to do that, or you have to honor the thing you signed before. I think, you know, you can revisit it, especially if you have a good relationship, you should be able to. Yeah. I've, I, I've never heard of somebody signing a contract to be honest, but uh, I've heard of them signing a prenup, but not a contract. Yeah. Is it the same thing um, or different? You know, I think it is the same thing. Pretty oh. much. I mean, we'd have to consult with a lawyer, okay. so I guess it depends what you call it. <laughs> right, maybe. I don't know. I'm not offering legal advice, that's for sure. <laughs> how so do you not think, qualified to do that. Ladies, how do you feel about that statement? What you don't know won't hurt you when it comes to relationships. Like, just to say, hypothetically speaking, your oh partner does God. something stupid, like really stupid, 
and they're not being mindful. And for whatever reason, they did it and it's a one-off and they're like, okay, I'll never do this again. I just, I don't know what, whether or not I should tell my partner. Like if, if they tell you, you know that you're just going to get all bent out of shape and, and you might end, you may end the relationship or the marriage. Would you want to know? Well, how often they is did? it a one-off? Like legitimately, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> and who decides what you should know and what you shouldn't know? <laughs> so I don't know. I okay. I like. I probably if it was something that was ongoing, I would probably want to know. But if it was a one-off, I don't think I would want to know. I would want to know. Oh, I'm on the one my side. Really? Because I'm unfor. I I don't forgive. Like I do forgive, but I don't forget. And it would eat me alive like forever. And I, I just don't know if if I could continue in that relationship if they did something really, really disrespectful. Because for me, respect is number one. What do you ladies think? Yeah. You have to look at the circumstances around it. Like if, if things are falling apart in your primary relationship and if somebody strays, like you have to look at what's happening in the primary relationship, I think. I think so too. And you might be surprised. You might be more forgiving than you know. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Depending on the situation. Depending on the situation, of course. <laughs> yes. Depending on the situation. <laughs> yeah. As long as there's dialogue and a plan going forward. And a consequence yeah. if it happens again and again. Right. right. What does a consequence look like, Joan? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I have to tell you this story. I, I used to date this hockey player a long, long time ago and no names mentioned, but it was, you know, the first time of cheating was like a big deal. And I forgave the second time it wasn't quite as big of a deal. And eventually it was just sort of not even mentioned. And that's when I'm like, okay, I'm so out. And like, it I was young and it took me a while to, to figure that out. But, you know, it is, it is a big deal. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, I want to know, yeah. Sarah, where did you meet Lee? And like, how long have you been with him? Were dating apps uh, around when you met him? No, they weren't. We literally met through a friend on Tecumseh Avenue in downtown Toronto. That was oh. it. And it was... <laughs> And and what do you th and what do you think about like what's happening right now with with the modern dating world? Like, are I you, find are it you... fascinating. You do? do you I feel do. like. You know how many people have told me like, oh, I wish I was single so I could experience speed dating or experience <laughs> these singles parties. And I'm like, really? You do? Why? Yeah, maybe I don't feel so much about that. Um, but I do find it fascinating the, the way that the world is, is going right now and how you can just swipe left, right and all of this. I'm like, I, it's, it's unreal to me. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to go through it, though. Joan, jo, what do yeah. you think about the, the modern dating landscape? I'd be curious, you know, to try it, but I'm really, I'm old school and I still think I personally, me, I would end up meeting someone an old fashioned way. Like that well, still has to be a thing. It, yeah. it, well, it is, it is to a certain extent, but you, you know, add COVID into the mix and now it has become a lot more difficult to meet people. But as the world is opening up, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get back to some of that old style dating. Yeah. <laughs> we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be highlighting Sarah's journey as a mom who has a child born as a girl, but now wants to be referred to as a they, them. We'll be right back.
You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AN640. I'm Laura Bellata, your host with Joan Kelly Walker tonight. And our special guest is Sarah, uh, Sarah Jameson. Uh, we're getting back to our conversation. And now we're going to talk about um, Sarah's 14-year-old child who was born a girl, but now wants to be referred to as a they, them. Let's talk about this. This is so interesting uh, to me, and I'm really excited about this uh, conversation. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the initial discussions. Like, how did it all happen, Sarah? Like, one day sure. she just came home from school and said, Mom, guess what? Like, how did it happen? This was so, um, our oldest had come out as gay, I guess about a year or two almost two years before. So it's been a year now since uh, um, um, identifying as transgender. And uh, so before that, you know, coming out, I kind of already sensed that. I kind of already knew. So that wasn't surprising. Uh, Fast forward to a year ago, almost exactly. um, And coming, they came to me and said that, you know, that they would like to be transgender and um, change their name. And, you know, all, all of this information was coming flooding in. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I hope they're going to be okay. You know, um, because as a mother, of course, we just want our children to be happy, safe and comfortable and to be who they truly are. So I uh, took a step back and and did a lot of listening um, and learning, a lot of learning. There's a lot of terminology that I certainly didn't know about. Um, Now I do, and I'm still learning and still learning every day. Um, But, uh, but it's, been quite an amazing journey this past year to to see my oldest you know transition from their birth name into now their non-binary name and just as who they are um and coming into their own I I couldn't be more proud Hmm. so you're talking about you know the learning like where do you turn to are there support groups or like I guess you don't need a support group you just need other people that have experience with this so so who helped you Well, um, my oldest certainly helped a lot. Um, And then, of course, just turning to online. Um, There's lots of forums and and platforms out there, um, quite a few books and articles. uh, And and really, for me, the first step was getting the, the wording right. The terminology mm-hmm. because you know to go to to stop one day from using she her which is so natural um to they them which is confusing because of how we were taught you know it's like that's plural and all these other things so mm-hmm. um really that was that was one of the first uh um things to tackle if i may say that um aside from you know supporting supporting our child in this in this transition Um, and it was also, I want to mention, it was also during, uh, the schools when they were, um, online. So went from going to school as, uh, you know, female gender identifying to going back shortly after that, um, as they, them. So there was that window of transition as well, which, you know, looking back, I think it actually worked out really well, um, to have that time. And, you know, we did things like, um, obviously changing clothing, um, that was a big one. And um, their hair, cut their hair off and um, ended up dyeing it as well. It looks amazing. Um, and that was something that they'd always asked me uh, to do. They had mentioned that they wanted to do it. And, and me as this, you know, remembering my 
horrifying experience having all my hair chopped off and just how, you know, how devastating that was as a child. I was like, oh, you can't do that. And I had to, to really stop and not think about myself and what had happened in my experience as a child, but who are they and how do I support them and who they are? So, you know, I, I am familiar with them and like, I am very proud of them. They are articulate, they're smart, they're successful, they're very social, they're likable. What are the things that you are particularly proud of them for? You know, uh, having the confidence to, and strength at their age to, yeah. to be, to know who they are now and, and for it to, you know, not be as easy as somebody else, let's say, um, but still going forward with it and um, just flourishing. It's, it's really, I'm just so proud. I, I honestly, I, you know, there's, it's high school. So high school isn't easy anyway, as we would remember. Um, but even in, you know, social dynamics and sometimes other kids aren't the nicest and just how they've handled situations like that. I mean, I, I'm in, in awe actually. Hmm. And, and what about you as a couple for you and your partner? Did that change the dynamics between the two of you? You know, I, I think it did at the beginning um, because, I, you know, as a mother, I think we can put on a brave face and be very accepting and supportive. Um, fathers aren't, and I don't want to just say this blanket statement, but, you know, not always uh, <laughs> the same nurturing feeling that, uh, yeah. that mothers give. Um, so there was, you know, there were some intense moments, um, and it's had to do with using the wrong pronouns and, um, maybe using their birth name instead of, uh, their trans name. And, you know, th- those were intense moments and sure it put some strain onto our relationship because it was like, no, do this, but you know, you can't make someone do something. You have to be able to communicate together and then, um, you know, support each other within this as well. So how did you navigate through the questions? I'm sure you must have gotten so many questions from family members um, so, that so, may like are confused about it. Right. Like, so how did you navigate that? Um, especially you know, when, you, you know, you, you're, we're talking the different gender terms like they, them. Yeah. I, it, to be honest with you, there were some days where I didn't answer those calls because I don't have all the answers, you know, and I had to sort of sit back and think, oh gosh, am I ready for this conversation right now? Like, do I have to answer all these questions? And so I was able to, to learn with that too, again, from my oldest, um, that it doesn't have to be up to us to provide all the answers. I think it's really important um, for people and family members if they have uh, you know, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, whoever, siblings, whatever it may be that are going through this um, to do their own research as well. Yeah. I just have another question. Like, did you ever get the, where did, where did, where did you go wrong as a parent? Like, can you persuade them? Can you stop them from doing this? Did you ever get that? You know, I, I didn't, I was always kind of waiting for someone to say something like that. And I don't know if they were, if, I'm sure people have thought that, you know, um, I think there's no question that people, some people would, would think that way. Uh, I don't know if they're just hopefully too smart to, to ask me that question, <laughs> because <laughs> I don't think I would have had a very uh, friendly response, but, um, 
but I, you know, I would have certainly say calm and collected, not, not, uh, not to get upset about it because I think, um, it's just a, it's just a matter of understanding or trying to understand, um, looking at things from a different perspective and not always what, uh, the traditional way is for certain people. Mm-hmm. And how did it affect them in school? Were other well, kids accepting? I mean, this day and age, yeah. these things are a lot more open and discussed and accepted. Uh, how has that been for them? You know, I think the younger generation is being taught differently from the way we were. Yes. Yeah. Back then, um, there's so much more support and inclusivity with uh, within the teachers and education system on its own. Um, I think that they've been working at this for some time. So, um, which was which was a learning curve for me because I didn't, you know, I, I worried about, oh, well, what's going to happen with the other kids and the teachers and how is the school system going to accept this? And there was no question. So um, before they started high school this past September, uh, we had a call with their guidance counselor just to get the lay of the land. And I mean, you know, subjects such as gym class, um, that was a big one or what washroom to use. And they have uh, in the schools, they have a, a non-gender washroom. So sort of anybody can use that. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, you know, to be honest though, I'm not sure that they use the washroom at school. So there is still that. Um, but uh, where but do they I go? Think, where, where, what if you have to go? Just to where do you go? They I just don't go all at day. <laughs> so, yeah. So like, it's I mean, still because, you know, that the outing thing. And I mean, there's, there's lots of layers to the, to the, to this subject, that's for sure. Um, but as far as the, the school and friends go, I mean, I was really taken aback by how supportive and, um, and positive it went. Um, of course, there's always going to be the people that are bullies and, you know, feel uncomfortable and like to, to throw names and, uh, and they, they deal with that. I mean, it's, it, it happens. It's going to happen no matter what I think, but for the most part, it doesn't. Sarah, you know, it's amazing the way that you're, you're sharing so openly. And I'm sure that some of our listeners would be listening, thinking like, you know, I have so many questions to ask. What advice would you give to parents out there that are just starting this journey? And I know we have to take a break. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I really think it's just be gentle with yourself, with your child, uh, sit back, listen, learn, um, you know, they, they're, they're, they're our children. It doesn't matter um, what gender they are, just as long as they are comfortable with who they are and how they feel. And if, you know, there's, there's nothing more amazing than seeing your child become who they are and flourish and be amazing. And as a parent, that's the, the happiest times for me, at least. Yeah. Um, well, you have that child. I do. I you do that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Sarah, I commend you. you. You just seem like such an amazing mom. Like it's so supportive. Oh. Um, how are you able to keep such a brave face while going through this? Cause I'm sure no. in, in one, in one way, you're kind of like mourning maybe the loss of your daughter. Yeah. For sure. Do you want to speak about yeah. that? We have a little time. Absolutely. Um, you know, there was a closed door moments in the bathroom just let out a good cry and kind of look at myself and think what is happening um and and grieving that loss it was more about the name and I but at at that point it was so early that I I wasn't you know I I didn't see the the future 
that moment when I was feeling that way. And now to, to be on the other side of everything, I, I, there's, I mean, of course I was crying over that. That's okay. But I'm so happy now to see them as who they are. So I wouldn't change it for the world. And, and we are so happy for you. I have to ask, what do you do when you mess up the pronouns? Because I mess them up all the time and I'm really sorry, but it, it's a big change. It's going to happen. It happens in our house. Um, it's, it's something that's so natural. That's, you know, we've been saying for so long that it's hard to make that change. Um, they understand. And as long as it's not, you know, intentional to, disregard their they them pronouns which can be mean or cruel if it's an accident that's fine you just correct yourself and move on and that's all that's so amazing that they are understanding like they're comforting you through that so thank you for sharing that yeah ladies we're going to take a quick break when we come back it's time to chat about love and can it exist in a sexless marriage and so much more stay with us Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. You're listening to AM 640. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca with my special co-host tonight, Joan Kelly Walker. And her friend is in studio with us. Her name is Sarah Jameson. She's wonderful. Uh, we're having a girl chit chat, um, discussing life and debatable dating and relationship topics. All right. I want to talk about love and uh, being in a sexless marriage. Do you feel that love can exist in a sexless marriage? Now I am not married. I just, for the record, I'm not. <laughs> Those of you who listen to the show know that, but Joan and Sarah are. So I will give my perspective while I'll go last. Um, So who wants to start? Do you think love can exist in a sexless marriage? Okay. For me, it's a big fat no. I don't know, Sarah. What do you think? (laughs) I agree. (laughs) No said that. I don't know. It it would be more of a friendship, I think. I think people need that closeness. They need that connection. They need that special bond. And I think if you're, if you don't have that, I, I don't know, I just think it would chip away at, at that type of love and it would change it into more of a friendship. So maybe if you're comfortable just having a friendship, then, you know, you could still stay married. But for me, I, I would just say no, not for me. And I don't think my, I think my husband would feel the same. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Joan. Yeah, not for me, <laughs> um, you know, it sort of reminds me of like, to a you know, couple of nine-year-old people in separate beds and maybe even separate bedrooms. And I couldn't imagine living like that. So <laughs> no. I have friends that are not even in their 90s that are not even married that live or sleep in separate beds. Okay. <laughs> I am serious. Probably so I, because somebody snores, but I'm sure they're oh, still maybe. finding time to, you know, have some alone time. How Great. about earplugs? How about no, they don't no. work. No, okay. If somebody's snoring, why do I have to wear earplugs? Well, what are you gonna I do? I can't sleep with earplugs in. Um, well, there's like, all kinds of things that help snoring, the, like there's the little well, yeah, I mean, that's invasive, but there's also, you know, you if you do things like don't eat late, 
Don't eat, you know, things that are greasy and stuff that are going to keep you up at night. Don't have alcohol every day. Like those things just automatically help you sleep better and you have um, like a deeper sleep. So I think you snore less if that's the case. Right. But then you try telling your partner that don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. You're going to be like, what are you, my mother? That's <laughs> and not then you're not having sex well. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I over the that- head works. actually you know what I've had no issues with the earplugs it's just that you know I I don't like sleeping alone with earplugs in because I want to know what's going on in my space but I feel more comfortable if I have to sleep with earplugs in if I have a you know a man beside me. <laughs> so I think that most marriages need intimacy to survive. Um, but I think that there are different types of intimacy. Like for example, physical intimacy is good for a marriage. It can enhance a marriage. Um, though I don't think it's necessary for all couples, right? It depends. Uh, you may have two people that where it doesn't really matter. Okay. So I think it's more important to some people than it is to other people. But, you know, the problem comes up when one person values physical intimacy more than the other person. Now, emotional intimacy, on the other on the other hand, I feel is necessary. It is. It's really necessary in order to be connected and happy in your relationship. Um, and it also involves sharing your thoughts and your feelings with one another, where I think is also important because this is where you feel safe and you feel comfortable with the person. I think that most marriages definitely can't function in a healthy way without emotional intimacy. But if two parties, you know, don't need the physical intimacy, then it doesn't really matter. Like that wouldn't work for me. Obviously, it wouldn't work for you, ladies, but it does actually work for some relationships. Hmm. And then you have the some relationships where the the uh, frequency is off. One person wants it like. 10 times a day and the other person wants it like once a month like that's a problem (laughs) that's that stuff should be communicated early on though I think that we know these things right but the thing is is we just we we jump in anyway and 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 things may change too right after I was gonna say I think that changes with age too sometimes yes it does and with childbearing (laughs) sometimes yeah Yeah. would you agree absolutely where men are always complaining that they're not getting enough. And I hear, I, I hear women sometimes complaining that they're not getting it enough. I mean, it can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think All women right. um, flourish later. <laughs> flourish later. <laughs> as long as we flourish. As, as long, long as we, as we flourish, do. Exactly. We always do. Okay. What is something that you ladies know now that you wish that you knew when you were younger? Oh, wow. Okay, Sarah, what do you what do you think? Um, I guess I want to say something around confidence. uh, Because I think, you know, being younger, sort of worry about all these extra things that I don't need to worry about. And just to, to focus on myself and my own confidence and believing in myself rather than worrying what other people think. I was yeah, I want to say also something around confidence. I think it's Instead of just like always trying to please everybody, including your partner, I think it's more of really being true to what I want. And I think that does come with age uh, and maturity for all people. But I think um, that's one thing that I, I wish I'd listened to that little inner voice more 
not that I didn't stand up for myself my whole life because I have, but I think I, I could have been a little bit more assertive about it in certain areas. Interesting. How about um, you, Laura? Well, I, a couple of things. I really wish I knew what love languages were back in the day because mm. that would have saved relationships for sure. Uh, and they mm-hmm. only came about a few years ago. I, I, I Nobody knew what they were really, but I, I love love languages. And also one more thing, probably don't burn your bridges mm-hmm. <laughs> because you never know when a former boss or a colleague or a business partner or you know, maybe just an acquaintance might come in handy, right? So just, if you have an argument with someone, just try to part on good terms, you know, stay on good terms with them. Don't gossip about them. Um, Be respectful and open to future possibilities with this person. Yeah, Mm because I, you know, I I would get angry and then I'd be like, we're done, right? And then I would never talk (laughs) to them again. I just walked it. So yeah, don't burn your bridges, I think. Forgive. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We need to go to break, ladies. When we come back, I want to know from you ladies, um, should we have access to our partner's emails and phone? And should women make the first move when we come back? You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Vallada with Joan Kelly Walker and our special guest, Sarah Jameson. We are having a girls' chit-chat. We're discussing life. We're discussing uh, debatable dating and relationship topics. And now I want to talk about women taking the lead, right? How do you feel about women proposing to men? Well, taking the lead, for example, proposing to men or just leading in relationships in general. Um, and should women make the first move? I know that those are a lot, but let's just start with, do you think women should propose to men? Who wants to go? Sarah. I'm laughing. Because <laughs> I sort of did that with my yeah. husband. You did? I did. Um, we got together, got our family started right away. And, you know, our, our oldest, uh, as we've been talking about, was about two years old at the time. Um, I'm not sure if it was that I necessarily, you know, wanted a big wedding and to get married and all of this, but rather have a very pretty ring on my finger. Um, and so I did. I went out and bought myself a ring <laughs> and brought it home and said, here you go. <laughs> I love this. Are you yeah. serious? And what did he say? He, he's, he, he took it from me when I thought, well, that's not good. I'd like to wear that today. <laughs> and so then I was, well, how long until I get it back? Um, but, uh, but no, it also happened to be my birthday. So later on that evening, uh, he, you know, quote unquote, proposed to me with this ring that I brought home. So um, my advice on that topic, though, is, is, uh, you know, be prepared not to be proposed to and make sure that that's something that you're okay with. If you're a woman that's going to propose to a man. Um, I'm not sure that I thought about that at that time. So, you know, looking back, maybe I could have had more patience. Um, and uh, looking forward, I'm still waiting to be proposed to. Hmm. So you you feel like you missed out on that part of it, like the whole big romantic gesture? I think so. Yeah. But I, you know, I did it to myself. So it's kind of comical. <laughs> yeah. There's still time, I suppose. <laughs> so. Hey, you can get married for the second time. Joan, what do you think? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, ours was, I would say more kind of like a, not a business thing, but it was like, okay, so, so what's the plan? Like, what are we going to do? And kind of like structured that way. So that's what it was. He didn't have a ring, but he had gone to a jeweler's and he had picked out some stones and said, you know, from those stones, pick out which one you want. And so I went and the first one they showed me was beautiful. And I'm like, that's great. And they said, don't you want to see the rest? And I'm like, no, I'm good. And, and then I designed the ring and then, and then that was it. But after that, after we had the ring and everything, he did a very romantic evening for me with candlelight and a nice fire. And he said some beautiful things. And so I feel like I, I did get it. It wasn't, um, it wasn't really in the order that I expected it to be, but I also expected that I would have like this big lavish wedding, but we ended up having quite a small wedding and it was really beautiful. So sometimes things don't turn out the way that you expect them to be, but they turn out the way that they should be. So, you know, it all worked. Nice. Okay. So, so should women propose to men? Well, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I mean, I've discussed this exact thing in my clubhouse rooms and uh, the general consensus from the men was that they were not a fan of being asked uh, for their hand in marriage, although there were a few men that were okay with it, but there were quite a few that were like, no, I want to be the one doing the asking. Uh, But I know that we are evolving. I mean, society is changing and that includes attitudes around traditional gender roles. So I guess it depends on the couple, you know, and just I feel it out prior to you doing that. Um, Sarah obviously didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning patience. (laughs) But there is no right or wrong answer. But I mean, if you have a very um, traditional type guy, right, you may not want to. But then, of course, maybe you can have that discussion, throw hints at him. Um, But that's what I would say about that. Let's talk about pretty privilege. Are attractive people more successful? What do you guys think? Hmm. I think I think your intelligence and your personality are what, what make you more successful in life. But I think that, uh, you know, when you are really attractive, you do get a lot, you know, you may get a lot more perks like gifts and better treatment. Um, and then, you know, in some cases, pretty privilege can influence hiring decisions. And I think you get more attention, which could turn into things like gifts. Maybe you get treated better. Um, Also, you know, pretty being pretty privileged can influence hiring decisions like at work. Um, But who wants to work there anyway, right? (laughs) Um, I think that it can increase the success of your dates, you know, you may have more choices when it comes to choosing partners. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right partner for you. And you know what, there are some downsides, though, you know, like, I think that if you are really pretty, sometimes you're more likely to be a victim of sexual harassment. Um, Some people that are really, really attractive struggle to make friends, you know, they that may view them as competition. Um, I think sometimes you may end up feeling lonely, just because you are attractive does not necessarily mean you will be more successful or accepted in life. All right, one more question a high value woman. I consider us three ladies high value women. Okay. So what are the qualities that we look for in a partner? And let us just clarify what a high value woman is. uh, For those that don't know, a high value woman is a woman who knows her worth. 
And she doesn't equate her worth uh, with her body. She is kind, she's compassionate. She has a lot of respect for herself. And she knows her worth and she's able to set boundaries so people don't overstep those boundaries. She's very empathetic. Um, she's very mature. She's not afraid to speak her mind. She's got a lot of class and she can take care of herself. I mean, that's what a high value woman is in a nutshell. So wh what do you ladies think? Um, what are the qualities that we look for in a partner? Oh, wow. I would say all those same things. Someone that knows their worth. It's not all about their body, but they look after themselves. Someone that's kind and has boundaries, but is empathetic. And, you know, someone that is, is classy and takes care of themselves. I mean, it's, it's the same for men and women for me. I love yes. that. And Sarah, do you want to say something quick? I, I agree again with Joan um, and wondering if, uh, you know, any other women out there looking for a friend? Cause she sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree with everything Joan said. Uh, we want to be with a partner who respects and values us and themselves as well. Someone who's kind, passionate, someone who's confident, someone who's intelligent and someone who's also uh, able to be faithful and generous. We like generosity. So, so, so important. That ends our show today, ladies. What a wonderful show. Sarah, where can people get a hold of you or uh, look you up? I am on Instagram, I guess you could say, S. Jameson Klein. It's my handle. I hope I used the right terminology there. <laughs> but um, yeah. And Joan? Or LinkedIn? I'm at Joan Kelly Walker Official on Instagram or joankellywalker.com. And I am official Laura Bellotta on Instagram and on TikTok as well. Yes, I'm very active on TikTok as well. I'm also on Clubhouse under Laura Bellotta. And please check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. Hire me as a matchmaker or come to one of my singles events. Thank you guys for tuning in each and every week. Love you all. Ciao for now.